Today, I believe that the Lord wants to set each and every one of us free from religion. Now, listen, if you were here this morning and you would say, man, this would have been a good day for me to stay at home because I don't struggle with this issue, you're the very one who needs this message today. Because those who don't think they are religious are usually the ones who are the most religious. <laughs> and Jesus gives us a passage of Scripture. Really, there's a number of different passages of Scripture in the Gospels where Jesus talks about the subject of religion because Jesus also hated religion. He knew as well that the biggest hindrance to the growth of the church and that the death of the church could ultimately be religion. And so Jesus had much to say about religious people. He definitely didn't like to keep company with religious people. And so there's a number of different passages of Scripture that I could have gone to from the Gospels this morning to talk about this subject of religion. But the one that the Holy Spirit just kept drawing me to is this passage of Scripture here in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And you've probably read this parable before. But this parable is a parable about religious people. And I want you to notice with me this morning, we're going to read through the parable. And as we read through the parable, I'm going to make some comments. And then after I make some comments, I've just got five simple practical things that I want to share with you today that you can ask yourself, I am free from religion when? And we'll end talking about those five things. But first of all, let's look at this parable together this morning. And I had a hard time just finding certain places to highlight important things because there's so many important things in this passage of Scripture. But notice what Jesus does. First of all, he identifies for us very quickly what religious people look like. He says, this parable was told... To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now, we could stop right there and have a really good working definition of religious people. Because religious people are self-righteous people. Religious people are people who trust in themselves that they are righteous. Why? Because religious people live by rules. Some of those rules you may find in the Bible, but many of those rules are man-made rules. And so they just figure that as long as I'm keeping the rules, I'm righteous. Their righteousness is based upon what they do, not what Jesus has already done. And so Jesus said, this is who this parable is for. This parable is for those who trust in themselves that they are righteous and, and then notice what he says, and treat others with contempt. But notice he said that religious people are people who trust in themselves. They are self-righteous people. And he says that self-righteous people, religious people, treat others with contempt. They despise others. They look down on others. There's them and then everybody else. There's them and then the rest of them and Jesus said this is who this parable is for it's for religious people it's for those people who trust in themselves for righteousness it's for those people who look with contempt or treat others with contempt who look down on others it's for those people who when they when they watch the news at night and they see what's going on they say things like oh I can't believe how those people act 
just can't believe how those people live. And Jesus said, this, this is a parable for those kinds of people who think that they are righteous because of their deeds and because of their deeds and because maybe they keep the rules better than everybody else then they look down on everybody else they treat everyone else with contempt and so now we go into the parable he said here's the parable he said this is what it looks like in real life he said that two men went up into the temple to pray now i want you to notice this is happening in the house of worship this is happening in church this parable that jesus talks about he says that two men went into the temple to pray just like us today on sunday morning we've come together corporately to worship and he says that two men went up i think we're going to find these two groups perhaps even present here this morning he said one was a Pharisee. Everybody say Pharisee. Pharisee. Now let me just tell you something about Pharisees. They were looked upon in their culture, they were looked upon by others as righteous people. Not righteous because of their relationship with God through Jesus, but righteous because they followed the rules. Many of those rules they interpreted for themselves because that's what Pharisees did. They were the interpreters of the law. The Sadducees took the Word of God literally. They did everything to the T that the Word of God said, but the Pharisees left the law open to interpretation, and they were the ones who would interpret the law. And so here you've got a Pharisee, and then he says, and the other, a tax collector. And that word other is a very important word because it means a completely different opposite person. And so over here you have this Pharisee whose righteousness is determined by following the rules. He, he, he is a self-righteous individual. And then over here on the other side, you have this completely different opposite person, a tax collector. So, so you have the most... The, the, the most looked up to perhaps group of individuals in that culture and then you have the group that is most looked down upon in that culture tax collectors because tax collectors were Jews just like Pharisees were Jews but tax collectors were traitors they worked for Rome collecting taxes and Rome would just simply tell them, listen, we want you to collect 10% taxes. And anything that you can get above that, you can keep for yourself. So they could just show up on your doorstep and say, hey, we're charging 80% taxes this year. And there was nowhere that you could go to fight that. You had to pay it or you would lose everything you had. That's a tax collector. A completely different, opposite person than the Pharisee. And Jesus said that these two men went into the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector and then he tells us a little bit about each one of them he said the pharisee standing by himself because pharisees were separatists you know they had their own little club they had their own little group and at this particular time evidently it's a membership of one because this guy evidently thinks, well, I've kind of been searching, but I've not found anyone else qualified to be a part of my club, so I'm standing by myself. But hey, I am taking applications if anybody would like to apply. So it says that he is standing, and that word standing there 
means a, a designated spot. That these Pharisees had a designated spot. And so he's standing here and he's saying, hey, you know, right over there, that's my spot. Right now I'm right here, but in just a moment when I pray, I'm going to go and stand in my spot. As a matter of fact, I think right now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to stand in my spot, which is not way back in the back, you know, where I just slipped in and I'm trying to hide from everybody. But it's front and center, right up front where everybody can see me, right up front where everybody can hear me and that's what this word standing means it says that the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus and what you're going to find out here is he's really not going to pray to God he's going to tell God how good he is <laughs> he's not going to pray for himself he, he's praying about himself <laughs> yeah. and he's not just wanting God to hear this but he's wanting others to hear what he's praying and so it says that he prayed thus and, and you know what his prayer really starts off okay but then from there it just goes in the ditch because notice when he starts his prayer he says God I thank you and that, that that's good because the Bible says enter into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise but from there it just goes downhill because here's what he says he says God I thank you that I'm not like other men. Well, can you be a little bit more specific? Well, sure I can. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or God, even like this tax collector. Now, now, now I want you to notice here what he's doing. I want you to notice the standard that he uses to measure his righteousness. He's not using God as his standard of righteousness, but he's using other people like extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and I think any of us would feel okay if that were the standard by which we measured our righteousness this morning. And that's what self-righteous people do. Self-righteous people measure their righteousness by comparing themselves to others, but they never compare themselves to those who are more righteous than them. They always compare themselves to those they perceive as less righteous than them because you hear people say things like this, well, I may not be perfect, but I'm doing a lot better than brother so-and-so. And I'm doing a lot better than sister so-and-so. Well, I may not have it all together, but I'm doing better than brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. But you've got to understand, if you want to measure your righteousness, you do not do that by comparing yourself to other imperfect people. You measure your righteousness by comparing yourself to Christ Jesus. And when you measure your righteousness compared to Christ Jesus, how many of us would not say that we are unclean and that we have room for growth in our lives. Amen? Christ is our standard. God's Word is our standard. And so this, this, this Pharisee, he prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Notice he wasn't praying that he would be more like God. He's just thankful he's not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, now, what do you think it was that made him feel so self-righteous? Well, well, he tells us here, he says, I fast 
twice a week. And I give tithes of all I get. Now, now, what you don't know is that he is going above and beyond what even God requires in his word. Because in his word, the Jewish people were only required to fast one day a year, that being on the Day of Atonement. But them wanting to be more righteous, they added one day a week on the Day of the Day of Atonement so that they would fast one day every week on the day of the day of atonement but this pharisee says hey i'm not just fasting one time a year i'm not just fasting once a week i fast twice a week and then he goes on and he says and i give tithes of all that i get not just my salary but anything that i get in other words whatever comes in my harvest, I give a tithe of that. Whatever somebody may give me as a gift, I give a tithe of that. I give a tithe. Not that there's anything wrong with doing more than what God requires of us to do, but it's why are we doing more than what God requires? Are we doing it to appear as if we are more righteous than other people? If we are, then we are doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's what this man is doing here comparing himself to others. And the reason why he thought he was more righteous than them is, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But I love this next verse, verse 13. But the tax collector. But the tax collector. Now listen, if you think that this parable is just about a Pharisee and a tax collector, you're wrong. Really, this is a parable about the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And who it is that can be blessed by the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And it's not the self-righteous. But it's those like this tax collector where it says, But the tax collector standing where far off. Not front and center. As a matter of fact, this word standing is a completely different Greek word than the previous word for standing that we looked at. This word standing has a bit of timidity to it. It's, it's like he just slipped in the back door. And, and he was trying to hide because he's feeling like, man, I, I don't deserve to be here. I, I'm, not supposed, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not, I'm not good enough to be here. I, I, don't, I don't fit in here. And he's just trying to slip in and not be seen. And the Bible says that he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast. This is similar to what they would do in the Old Testament when they would rip their garments in a moment of repentance, sorrow for their sin. So what we're seeing here is that this tax collector, he doesn't even like who he is. He knows that change needs to take place in his life. But he understands that he cannot declare himself righteous. He understands he needs more than that in order to become righteous. And so this tax collector, it says that he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then notice what the next passage says. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, which man? The tax collector, the sinner, the complete opposite and different person of the Pharisee. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Wow. 
And do you know what the word justified means? The word justified means declared righteous by God because of the sacrificial work of Jesus at the cross. And notice this young, this, this tax collector, he does not declare himself righteous. God declares him righteous because of the faith that he's put into him and because of his repentant heart. And he said this, he said, I tell you, this man went down to this house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Now, let me tell you what he's doing here. He's speaking eschatologically. He's speaking here about the last days. This is, a, this is a matter of where we spend eternity, ladies and gentlemen. Because if you're expecting your good deeds to get you into heaven, you are going to be disappointed. But if you're expecting grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if you are expecting that to get you into heaven, that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. That is, those that are trusting in their own righteousness, those who are trusting in their work, to get them into heaven, you're going to be humbled. In other words, you end up in hell. But then he said this. He said, but the one who humbles himself and understands it is not my righteousness because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. And I'm only righteous not because of who I am, but because of who Christ in me is. And he says this. He said, the one who humbles himself and understands I need Jesus and his righteousness inserted into my account, deposited into my account if I'm going to make it into heaven. He said, that's the one who's going to be exalted. That's the one who's going to make it to heaven. Amen. So let me just give you five things very quickly this morning. And then you can go enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend, hopefully if you're not under too much conviction. Here's the first thing, and I'm going to hit these quickly. I'm free from religion when I refuse to bind others with man-made rules. We as a church are free from religion when we refuse to bind others with man-made rules. As I said, I've never read the Bible and thought we need more rules in the Bible. The Old Testament law, there were 611 laws, rules. They added two more, the two that Jesus gave that we'll look at here in just a moment in the New Testament, 613. Why 613? 365 negative laws, one for every day of the year, and 248 positive laws that represent every major organ, bone, and muscle in the human body. 613. But for the Pharisees, evidently that wasn't enough because they had to interpret those 613. And so every one of those 613 had a category and a subcategory. For example, one of the rules was you don't work, you don't plow on Sunday. So here was one of their interpretations of that. You can't even spit on the ground on the Sabbath because when you spit on the ground, if it disturbs the soil, that's plowing, and plowing is unlawful on the Sabbath. Yeah, we think that's ridiculous, but we can get pretty petty too sometimes with our own rules and our own interpretation of God's Word. 
One of the other laws says that, you know, you, you had to wash your hands before, before you would eat or you were unclean. But the problem is they included as a part of the hands, they included the wrist. And so you were required to wash your hands all the way up to your elbows. And how many of you remember when Jesus was going to have share a meal with his disciples and the Pharisees began to condemn Jesus because they said he's eating with unclean hands. No, he wasn't. He washed his hands. He just didn't wash them all the way up to his elbows. That's how petty it became. Man-made rules. But this is what I love so much about Jesus. Because a young man comes to Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, and he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Of all 611 at that time in the Old Testament, of all of those, which is the greatest? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what Jesus does. He takes 611 laws and condenses them down to two, two rules. He said just two is all that you need to be concerned about. He said because in verse 40, he said that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, if you'll just fulfill these two, in fulfilling these two, you will fulfill all 611. Because when you go back and look at the Ten Commandments, the first half of the Ten Commandments talk about our relationship with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments talk about our relationship with other people. So that if we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we'll not put other gods before him. We'll not take his name in vain. We will not worship idols. And if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will not covet, and we will not murder, and we will not commit adultery, and we will not steal, and we will not lie. And so Jesus takes every one of those laws, and he said, listen, we're going to condense it into two. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you'll be all right. Somebody thank God for Jesus. And, and, that, and that's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why? Because all those laws that people were trying to keep was wearing them out. And Jesus said, come to me. And I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke. That yoke was all of those laws, the teachings, the interpretations of the Pharisees. But Jesus said, my yoke upon you, when you take it upon you and learn from me, you're going to find out I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So how do I know if I'm free from religion when I refuse to bind others with man-made rules? Just love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's the second thing. I'm free from religion when I reject externals as a spiritual yardstick. Because, see, religious people love to do this. They love to measure other people's righteousness by externals so that it's like we walk around, you know, making sure people measure up to our rules, our standards. Not in the Bible, but there are rules and we're all worked up about them. But I'm free from religion 
when I reject externals as a spiritual yardstick. Do you know how much you know about a person by just looking at that person? You know nothing about that person by just looking at that person. We think that we can look at a person's background. We think we can look at a person's race. We think that we can look at a, at a person's economic status in our society and form an opinion based upon those kinds of things. I'm telling you this morning, Summit and Church of God, that grieves me and it grieves the heart of God and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, if that's the way we're going to measure righteousness, then, then Pharisees, when they walk into this building, will think, man, there's our next pastor. There's our next Sunday school teacher. There's our next youth pastor. There's our next worship leader. Because Pharisees appear on the outside to be really, really righteous. I mean, they show up every time the doors are open. They are in 14 small groups. I don't know how they get to all of them, but they're in 14 small groups, man. I, I mean, they're, they're, in, they're in children's, they're doing it all. And, and we look at that, and sometimes we judge based on those externals. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 23. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of dead people and everything unclean in the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness only God knows the heart of an individual and only God reserves the right to judge and I refuse I refuse to measure people based upon externals amen that's religion it's religion Here's the third thing. I'm free from religion when I review my walk for form without function. See, here's, here's what the Bible says about this man. It says that he said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The apostle Paul told us in 2 Corinthians or in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said this. He said that in the last days that there's going to be folks in the body of Christ that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Form without function. How do I measure that? Well, let's just say that you got up this morning, as most of you did, and said, let's go to church today. Well, when did you accomplish that? Did that happen when you pulled into the parking lot? Did, did that happen when you brought your body into this sanctuary and sat down and then stood up at the times that you were supposed to stand up? Did that happen when you mouthed the words of the song that we sang? Because sometimes, folks, we can have the form but not experience the power of God. We can, we can go and keep the rules and appear to be righteous but never experience the power of God and the salvation to those that believe the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. And so we can just come in and we can just go through the motions and, and we can appear to be, but we're empty on the inside because we never engage. We never really get into it and it never gets into us. Here's another thing. Number four, I'm free from religion when I return to the basics of examination and confession. That every one of us need to do 
just as this tax collector. But notice, first of all, it says that the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He came to God to remind God how good he was. God, you, you, just, you just don't know how good you got it by having me on your team. No confession, no examination whatsoever in his heart. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If grace is God giving me what I don't deserve, mercy is when God doesn't give me what I do deserve. And this tax collector is saying, God, I know I don't deserve it. But would you forgive me, a sinner? He confessed. He examined his heart. He didn't like who he was. And he told it like it was. I am a sinner. Which brings us to the final thing, and that is I'm free from religion when I renew my pursuit of personal humility. Because the story goes on and he says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, he went down to his house, justified, declared righteous by God rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, if we're not careful, what began as a relationship with Jesus Christ can quickly become nothing more than religion. That's why Jesus says to us, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're weary from religion today, I encourage you, find rest in Jesus.